Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage Podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. We help women through the heartbreak of miscarriage, and as a nonprofit, we run completely on donations. Our services help thousands of women, so please support us by donating through our website, managingmiscarriage.com. Thank you for tuning in. Today I have Danielle with me, who found out she was pregnant last December, December 2017, and then miscarried at 10 weeks. She had spotted him in a bed rest for two and a half weeks before having to undergo a DNC. So Danielle, thank you for joining me today to share your story. Thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're at in life, what's going on? Okay. Um, So I am from Canada. Um, I'm 30 years old, um, a human resource professional, um, been married to my husband for just over two and a half years now, um, and I have a bit of a unique health history. Um, when I was 14 years old, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, so cancer, um, but I have been cancer-free for 15 years, um, and Uh, All is well. I've been basically cured, um, but there always was some concerns with um, my potential fertility in the future. Um, So prior to meeting my husband, um, my doctors had always told me that I may face some challenges with conceiving. And so they always offered to, um, if I wanted to uh, have fertility testing and whatnot, and I didn't really take them up on that until I was was married and felt like I was more in a place to um, what, that we were ready for children and whatnot. So we did that, and um, that's when we found out that I was actually 100% healthy and uh, my body, from what they thought, uh, would be able to, to conceive and, and carry a child, no problem. So that was like really awesome news for me. So to get pregnant, was a miracle in itself for me. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome mm-hmm. that you cut that uh, clean bill of health. So you're going into this thinking, this is going to be good, no problem. Yeah. And I, I mean, I still did have some worries in the back of my head because you never know for sure. But to know that I had a regular cycle um, when all odds were against me, uh, that was pretty awesome. So we went into it pretty positive. So then what? Talk to me about what happened next. Yeah, so we, uh, my husband and I had a few uh, things that we wanted to check off our list before we decided to have children. So uh, late last year in October, we did a a Euro trip. We did five countries in two weeks. And then when we came home, we realized, yep, now I think we're ready for the next phase. Um, So we started to try for a baby. And we got pregnant the first month that we tried, (laughs) which again was such a miracle for me. Um, So we found out we were pregnant in December of 2017. um, And we were super excited. And we thought it was a good time because I would be about eight weeks at Christmas. And so we thought that was like a good time to be able to share with our families the news um, and just keep that. Uh, with our family and very close friends and then once I got to the 12-week mark that we would share more Um, but so actually what ended up happening was 
Uh, we shared the news with our family on Christmas. And then the day after Christmas, I started to have some spotting. Um, and I was actually at, slept over the night before at a family, um, a family house and um, woke up the next morning and had some, it was pretty light spotting. Like I would say only like one or two drops of blood and then it was light the rest of the day. But I was kind of a basket case because I wasn't at home in my own element when it started. Um, so I actually... Uh, called one of my friends that that day in the bathroom of my in-laws house um, freaking out saying like what's happening and she reassured me and said like this could be totally normal don't worry just rest up for today monitor it and if you have any like cramping or um, the bleeding gets heavier like just call your doctor or go to the emergency room uh, so I basically just sat still the entire day at this family function. Um, everybody was excited about our news, but they didn't know what was actually happening. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, so I was kind of doing that, trying to put on a face and um, just still carry on with Christmas, you know. Um, so anyways, that night we left um, to go home. And on the way home, I had this like kind of strange pressure like near my pelvis and it just didn't feel right like the bleeding it wasn't intense at all it was very light spotting nothing had really occurred much more that day but that one small twinge kind of like really scared me so that night we went to the emergency room my husband and i and um of course since it was christmas there was hardly anybody working there wasn't an ultrasound tech so ironically i had my eight week um, ultrasound scheduled for the day after. So they just kind of set up the emergency room Well, you might as well just go home um, and then call your doctor in the morning and maybe they can get you in a little bit early for your ultrasound that day. So that's what we did. Um, and we uh, called my doctor as soon as they opened the next day and she said, yep, come on in right away. And they uh, got me up for blood work as soon as possible and then they um, we did an ultrasound too. And um, what we found out was that uh, the baby was only measuring six weeks when I thought that I was eight weeks. Um, so the doctor said, well, this could be that your dating is, is simply off or there's a possibility that you're miscarrying. Um, and I, I knew my dating was right. Like I had been tracking my cycle for probably a year in advance of this. So I had a pretty good idea and I was also like really regular. So I kind of had this like intuition in the back of my head that, yeah, this probably isn't right. And then she followed up to say that, well, you know, the um, heart rate is also a little bit slow. It was only like 72 beats per minute. But she wasn't sure because, well, if you are actually six weeks, then um, maybe the heart had just started beating, you know? So she wasn't really sure. And this was just my my GP too. It wasn't like an OBGYN or anything. So it, she admittedly said it wasn't necessarily her expertise. So she wasn't sure. So the next steps would be to um, come back in for blood work, do another ultrasound in like 13 days or whatever. And then in the meantime, I would be on bed rest. So uh, that was really hard because I couldn't do anything. Like I just basically sat on the couch for 
close to two weeks um, and it was agonizing with so many unknowns and yeah, it was hard. So we went for, um, a few days later, we went to see if my beta levels were rising um, and they actually did rise. They were still technically within normal range, um, but I find that that normal range, if you Google it or whatever, everything. It's a says, huge range. <laughs> and everything says something different. So it's yeah. like, what is normal, right? Um, but anyway, so we were slightly encouraged because they hadn't dropped, um, but they also hadn't like doubled or tripled like they were supposed to. So anyways, on January 8th, um, we went for the ultrasound um, and that was a pretty agonizing experience too. Um, the ultrasound tech was just, I don't know, sometimes I think they lack a little bit of sensitivity training. Um, they don't say much, right? I mean, at least here in Canada, they're, they're, they're not supposed to. No, same here. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, it was just a really weird experience. And um, my husband got caught a glimpse of the screen. And um, uh, this was for the, just when they tried to find the baby through the regular ultrasound, but they couldn't. So they had to do an internal. And my husband, again, I, like I said, he caught a glimpse of the screen. And as we were, they sent us back to the waiting room. I guess while the radiologist checked out the scan and my husband was like Googling what a baby would supposed to look like at eight weeks or 10 weeks. And he was like frantically trying to find a picture that looked like what he saw and no such luck. So he was trying to be positive, but I already kind of knew like if they had to do an internal at this stage, like it wasn't looking good. So anyways, they actually didn't give us an answer at the clinic. They sent us home. And um, my doctor was actually on vacation at this point. So her, another doctor from the same practice called me about an hour or so later and told me what had happened and explained that the baby had likely stopped growing maybe like a week or so before, prior. Um, and he used the term incomplete abortion, which I had never heard before. Um, and I don't know if that's the same as a missed miscarriage, not sure. Um, but anyways, I, I hated that term <laughs> um, and it was pretty brutal. But then he um, told us basically what um, our next steps would be and just encouraged us to go to the local emergency room to meet with one of the doctors there who would discuss our options with us further. So that's what we did. Um, so yeah, we went to the hospital and met with one of the doctors there and she gave us um, the three options, which were um, to pass naturally, which for me, I had been spotting for two and a half weeks at this point and there was no cramping, nothing was happening. So I thought, you know, I've already been off work for two and a half weeks. This doesn't seem to be happening on its own. Um, I don't think that's an option. I don't want to wait any longer. Um, and then the other option would be to take the pills. And I didn't want to do that because I already felt like in a lot of emotional pain that to experience physical pain on top of that was that thought was just not not an option either. 
Um, plus, I don't do well with blood on a good day, so I can't imagine having to see all of that when taking the pill or passing naturally. So those are just not an option for me. Um, so I chose to do the, the DNC instead. And when were they able to get you in for that? It was actually the next day. Okay. Uh, so yeah, which was good. Um, just a quick turnaround. I realized that after I went, after I left the ultrasound clinic the day prior that um, I had eaten lunch, so they couldn't do a procedure with a full stomach. So I had to wait regardless. Right. Yeah. So that was okay. And how did that go for you? Um, you know what, like I, like I mentioned before with my health history, I've been under general anesthetic before, so I kind of knew what to expect with regards to that. Um, but I, I, it was hard. Like it was a really hard day. I, um, uh, there was a lot of waiting around um, for the pre-op and whatnot. And um, my husband was amazing <laughs> during that time. He somehow kept me laughing and smiling. And one of the nurses even commented on how amazing he was and how um, I had a good one. <laughs> it was very sweet. Um, but the actual procedure... Um, I mean, like I said, we waited around for a long time for the pre-op and whatnot, but after that, it was pretty smooth sailing. Uh, the procedure was done in under 15 minutes, and then I was just in the uh, recovery room for a while, um, just recovering from the anesthetic, and um, I woke up with some cramping. It was pretty uncomfortable, but they gave me some medication for that, um, and I was there for probably about an hour or so before... Um, they moved me to like a not so intense recovery room and then was reunited with my husband and whatnot. And I felt okay. Like I, uh, I didn't have any nausea or whatnot. Um, and we went home and um, ate dinner and went to bed. And then the next day actually was when I felt quite sick. Like I think the anesthetic was wearing off um, and I was quite nauseous and I did vomit once or twice, um, but they also gave me some um, medication that was like uh, had morphine in it, so that might have also been part of the the sickness. So that was kind of unpleasant. But after that, um, my recovery was pretty good. I mean, as expected, right? Like I had, I probably bled for a good week. I would say, um, not too too heavy, but definitely like was bleeding. Um, and some minimal cramping, but other than that, it was, it wasn't too, too bad. Um, I definitely wouldn't want to do it again, <laughs> No, <laughs> but I mean, like of the three options, I think that for me, that was, that was probably the best one. What helped you the most through all of this? Um, I think for me, um, it was tough. Like I had a lot of, a lot of different emotions. Like I, uh, at first, I was focused on feeling better physically, um, and I could recognize the fact that um, my weepiness and whatnot, that was coming from hormones mixed with my emotions. So I knew that that feeling of like just utter sadness would pass eventually. Um, but I found like as the months and weeks progressed that 
um, talking was like critical to me. And um, I've had a, I have a few friends that have experienced mis miscarriage as well. And it's just like a sisterhood, you know, like everybody relates to each other on this, this crazy level that some people that haven't experienced it just don't understand. So I found that talking with people that had been through similar experiences was so helpful. Um, I also listen to this podcast a lot <laughs> um, and just hearing other women's stories and relating to them and how they felt and whatnot was super helpful. And then um, also as the months progressed, I felt like I was, um, I don't know, I was still kind of really sad, even like three, four months later. And there was good days and there was bad days. Um, but certain things would trigger me. And then I would be kind of going to a tailspin. Um, and like I said, I work in human resources. So in my in my job, like, you kind of have become like a therapist for the workplace. Um, so I'm often encouraging like my clients and whatnot to reach out if they notice um, some of their staff who are dealing with things to reach out to, to seek professional help and whatnot if you're feeling really low and down. And so I had to kind of take my own advice on that. And um, I ended up speaking to a counselor a few times just to to really process my emotions and and to make sure that I was dealing with all my feelings and not just shoving it down and putting on a brave face and trying to move on. And that was actually very, very helpful for me, um, more so than I thought it would be. Good. Well, good job taking your own advice. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice would you have for the women listening, oftentimes they are just experiencing a miscarriage right now. So what advice would you have? What do you wish you would have known? Um, well, first of all, I think that um, I was kind of putting pressure on myself to get over it. Um, and um, the first couple months, I found myself putting on a brave face and um, pretending like everything was fine <laughs> when really that wasn't the case. Um, so I think for others going through this, like it's so important to recognize the fact that this is a loss and that uh, comes with grief and sadness and, and that's okay uh, because some days, like, like I said, you might feel okay and other days you might be really sad it's a roller coaster um but let yourself feel what you feel whether that's an irrational thought or just i don't know um but i think it's important to validate your feelings and um sit with them and uh yeah also i think that um like i said before um putting on a brave face isn't always the best uh, coping strategy. Uh, I feel like there you kind of need to find balance between putting on a brave face, for instance, like attending a baby shower, but also knowing what your triggers are and what could be too overwhelming. Right. So, so for me, for instance, this year, um, Mother's Day was really, really hard. Um, and so I... 
um, had come to a place with my own mother where she knew where I was at mentally and whatnot and the struggle I was dealing with. And I kind of just told her, like, I know this is a day for you and, and we will celebrate that, but I can't do a family thing this year. I need to take Mother's Day off. Uh, it was just too hard for me. I just needed to sit with my emotions and feel them that day. Um, and of course, everybody understood that. Um, and the other thing I would say is that uh, stigma and taboo surrounding miscarriage is real. <laughs> um, it's an uncomfortable topic for a lot of people that haven't experienced it themselves. Um, and my husband and I, we had told our, our very close family and friends about our pregnancy uh, really early on at the eight week mark, <clears throat> excuse me, like in the event that we did miscarry, we'd have the support. Um, and when we did actually miscarry, um, I expected everyone to kind of rally around me and some did, but I would say that a lot didn't. And that was hard for me to accept. Um, social gatherings uh, <laughs> were caused a lot of anxiety for me. And I just felt like if I did attend family events or friends events that um, my mind was kind of somewhere else. Um, and even people that did know about what was happening with me sometimes wouldn't even ask how I was doing. So I felt very alone um, and a little bit angry at times. Um, I just felt like everyone had moved on, but my world was still kind of completely stopped. Um, and I think the subject of miscarriage does make people uncomfortable. People don't know what to say. So a lot of times they choose to say nothing. Um, and I've been on the other side of that. Like I've had friends that have miscarried and, and I didn't, I couldn't relate at the time and I didn't even know what to say. Um, and I realized through speaking with my counselor as well, when I expressed that emotion to her, she said, well, you know, Danielle, when, when you put on a brave face and when you act like everything is fine, then people assume that it is right. So if you're not transparent about how you're feeling, how are people supposed to know that? So for me, it was a really big lesson in if you're feeling a certain way and if you're feeling sad about this, that in order for people to rally around you and support you, you have to let them know that you are hurting. Um, so for me, that was that was a pretty big light bulb moment. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah. Yeah, like that's still, I'm still processing that. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, it's hard, like, and, and still to this day, almost six months later, I mean, I would say I'm in a better place, but it, it's been hard for me to be transparent about how I feel, because for the most part, I'm a pretty even-tempered, um, nothing really gets me down kind of person. Um, so to have my world rocked the way it was, was uh, it was a different experience, and um what I've learned through it all, though, is that um, this miscarriage thing, like, as women, we have to support each other um, and talk about it and try and break the stigma that way. We shouldn't have to feel alone in this. Um, so that's part of the reason why I wanted to sign up for the podcast, too, just to share my story. And if it helps anybody else, then that's amazing. 
Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story today, Danielle. Mm -hmm, my pleasure.